retreat this weekend was becoming men of God, and we hung out in the book of 1 Samuel looking at the life of David and how God prepared and used him for that. Our speaker is our preacher for this morning, Reverend Milton Green. Milton and I met a number of years ago uh, while I was pastoring in Chesapeake and got to be really good friends. He serves as the associate pastor of Rehoboth Church in Chesapeake. He has served as a firefighter with the Chesapeake Department as well as with the 82nd Airborne Division of the United States Army. He is a graduate of Norfolk State University and received his master's degree from Virginia Union University. He's married and has three children, two of which are in the armed forces. And he has just been a good friend. We were blessed by him this weekend and wanted to share that blessing with you all today. Milton, if you'll come, welcome to Rocky Mountain Baptist Church. Good morning. It was so nice to uh, come here and see so many smiling faces, even from those adults that were out at the campground with us. I figured they'd be tired and have frowned faces this morning, but uh, they were all so happy. And it was glad to see that. Uh, uh, Pastor David, he... Uh, this is the first time he's introduced me and not giving you guys the story about when we first met. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let him tell you that individually later. Funny story. But uh, he has been a good friend to me as well. Uh, he's always there uh, when I call. He's always got a word of encouragement for you. And uh, I, I feel like you guys are, are, are very lucky to have him here. He's, he's a good man. Uh, today, I want to share with you uh, from Nehemiah chapter 8. I, I want to share verses 8 through 12, and I'm going to be reading from uh, the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, uh, so please forgive me if that's not the Bible that you're used to using. The the meaning is still there. The words might be a little different, but uh, we're going to go ahead and move forward anyhow. Uh, it, it reads, So they read from the book, from the book of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat. And drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to uh, make great rejoicing because they had understood 
the words that were declared unto them. The sermon that I prepared for you today, I, I've titled The Joy of the Lord is Our Strength. Uh, I wanted to pay close attention to verse 10. It says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to them to whom nothing is prepared. For this day, is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I, I struggled with this a little bit because, you know, we, the weekend we, we talked about being men of God, and we, we discussed how God chooses those whom will be the ones to carry forth whatever task, whatever uh, ministry, whatever it is that God has placed in our path. He, he, the way he chooses, and we talked about some of the fears that we might have and how to overcome those fears with courage and, 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 and all of the tools that we need to remind us of who we are in Christ. And, and when, I, when, I, when I looked at the text this week and I, I went over and over and I said, well, that, it just doesn't seem to fit. And then, you know, I prayed about it and prayed about it. And, and, and then I saw in, in the text and something that I hadn't seen before. So I, I decided to move forward with it anyhow. And I'm hoping that you pick up you men of God, and, 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 and that I, being that we're in mixed company, I'm going to uh, uh, refrain from saying men of God, but people of God. Uh, I hope that you pick up on what it is, this next tool that we need to have in our toolboxes as we go out and, and spread the gospel everywhere we go. Because, see, there are times, there are times in the life of, of every Christian, I don't care who you might be, there's going to be a time when you're going to feel sorrow. And this sorrow is going to come about not necessarily because you've lost a loved one or, or you've lost a job or any such thing. Sometimes this sorrow comes because of some sin we've committed. And though sorrow, sorrow is something that no one really wants to experience. Sorrow for sin can be a good thing. According to the Apostle Paul, sorrow over sin has its benefits. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Paul says, For godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. You see, when we've fallen short of the righteousness and of the holiness of God, our, our fall, it should cause us some remorse in our hearts. The sorrow and the remorse that, that we experience, it actually produces repentance that eventually leads to salvation. That is if the sorrow that we are experiencing is a godly sorrow. A godly sorrow and not a worldly sorrow. Now, the second part of 2 Corinthians, it says, worldly sorrow produces death. 
Worldly sorrow is that type of sorrow that the enemy uses to keep us bound. It's the kind of sorrow that, that causes us to hide instead of repent. It's the kind of sorrow that leads people to believe that they're bound by sin forever. So how can we, the children of God, the people of God, those who have been called in the service of God, how can we experience a godly sorrow without slipping into worldly sorrow? Verse 10 of today's scripture text, it, it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is what gives us the strength to keep from slipping into that worldly sorrow that I'm talking about. Now, in today's text, we, uh, we find the priest. We find uh, the priest Ezra in Jerusalem. He's, he's standing in the square, and he's interpreting God's law. Uh, he's interpreting it to the Jews who had, had returned from 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Now, during that time in Babylon, the Jews, they, 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 they did not have access to God's law. Much of their religious practices, was, they, it was based upon memory of the elders in the group. And as their time in Babylon, it, it progressed, many of those elders, they, they died off. And, and, and the people, the people had forgotten a lot more than they had remembered about God's law. It was up to Ezra at this time. It was up to Ezra to bring them up to speed about the things that they had forgotten. Sometimes we can get to a point where we start to forget, but it's not because we've been in, 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 in captivity. It's, it's because we stray away from the church or we stray away from our study and, of the Bible and, and we, we start to forget the things that we have been taught by the Holy Spirit, those things that keep us from falling into that worldly sorrow that I'm talking about. And see, in, 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 in this passage, as Ezra read the law, those Jews, those Jews that had been in captivity, they, they, they started to become very sorrowful. They were sorrowful because while they were in captivity, they took part in some of the traditions and the religious practices of their captors. Those traditions, those religious practices, they were, they were contrary to what is expected of God's chosen people. The joy that they were experiencing as a result of their newly found freedom it was soon snatched away from them. That joy, it, it, it turned into sorrow because their eyes had been opened. In that moment, that moment, they had to, they had to realize just how far they had strayed from the will of God. See, this is the kind of awakening that that the enemy uses to 
to keep us bound today. When, 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 when we find out that we've, we've strayed far away from God, it, it makes us sorrowful, and sometimes it pushes us further and further away from the will of God. Instead of pull, drawing us to it, it pushes us away. And this is, this is the kind of awakening that the enemy will use against us. You see, when we sin, that's when Satan works even harder to discourage us. He starts to whisper lies in our ears. Things like, you're no good. God does not care about someone like you, or you're headed straight for hell. And after a while, we, we start to believe the lies of Satan. And we stray farther and farther away from the will and the grace of God. You know, I was talking to someone this past week, and you know, they were telling me, uh, "I don't know if I'm 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 ready to come to church." And I, and they said, "You know, I gotta I gotta get myself ready." Yeah, I wish I had a dime for every time somebody told me that they were too messed up, or that they had. Had, had, had to get themselves right before they could, could come to the church and, and be in God's presence. If they could get themselves right, there would be no need for Jesus. See, those excuses, those excuses are signs of, 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 of the sorrow that, that they are experiencing as a, as a result of, of sin. Sin, some sin that they've committed. They're experiencing some type of sorrow and it's causing them to question whether or not they can come back to God, be back in God's presence. But we have a gracious God. God will forgive us of those things. Now look at how this Paul, uh, uh, this, this sorrow is what, what Paul describes as the worldly sorrow. Sorrow that only leads to death. See, the, 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 the law, the law given to Moses on Mount Sinai, it, 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 it can only teach us right from wrong. It reveals sin and it also reveals sin's punishment, but it does not give us an escape. It doesn't give us a way to escape sin. Our only escape is Jesus. Ezra, he, he only had the law of Moses to share. He couldn't share the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus had not come at that point. When the Jews, they, they became sorrowful about what they had heard, Ezra, he shared with them something that uh, I don't even think he or they realized. He told them in verse 10, he said, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In the midst, in the midst of the law that condemned them, they found joy. The joy that they found was Jesus. 
Now, I know you're probably wondering, how in the world, how in the world did he find Jesus in the law? How in the world, Jesus hadn't come yet, but you're talking about they, 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 they found Jesus as Ezra read the law? Yeah, they found Jesus as Ezra read the law. John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Today, we have come to know that word in the flesh. And it's Jesus. When Ezra read the law of God, which can also be interpreted the word of God, in essence, the Jews were being exposed to Jesus. And that exposure is what caused them to be sorrowful about how far they had strayed from God's will. But they also found joy in the word. See, this should be a lesson to every one of us here today. Even though Jesus had not come, the Jews were able to experience the joy that only comes when we're exposed to Jesus. It comes through the reading of God's word. God's word, it, it, it reveals something new every time we open our Bibles. Spending time reading, studying, and meditating on God's word, it will also provide us with the joy that we need in times of sorrow. Now, unlike the Jews... We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. The joy of our Lord Jesus is our strength. Sin is not who we are. It's what we sometimes do. And because of the love that God has for us, we're not to become bound by worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow, it only results in death. Because the condemnation that it brings, it only, it only pushes us farther and farther away from God. It, it causes us to dwell on sin instead of focusing on the answer to sin. And that answer is Jesus. Now that godly sorrow that we experience, it, it causes us to, to draw strength from the joy it causes us to draw closer to Jesus' side. It causes us to draw strength from that joy that we have in having the knowledge, the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. We know that as long as we are in the flesh, we're going to sin. We're going to mess up. We're going to miss the mark. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, it reminds us that Every sin we have committed, every sin that we will commit, it's already been covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the price of sin. He paid our sin debt. And for this, we ought to have joy because we know that not one of us here can go out of these doors and say, I'll never sin again. It's the flesh. The flesh is a sinful flesh. And it's going to cause us to fall from time to time, but we can get right back up 
Because Jesus paid the price of sin. Paid the price of sin and shame just so that we can be with him forever and eternity in order to pay that debt. There had to be a sacrifice. Now, not one of us here has dotted every I or crossed every T. Therefore, none of us here can pay the price of sin. We all deserve death, but God loves us. He loves each and every one of us. He loves us so much that he decided to come himself. He decided to pay that price of sin for us. He, he, he disrobed himself from his heavenly glory, and he, he, he became a man just like you and me. He, they, they, they called him Jesus, and he was tempted, and he was tried just like us. But he never yielded to sin. He fulfilled the law. He never broke the law. He fulfilled it, and he fulfilled it in love. And that's what made him the perfect sacrifice. John 3, 16, it reminds us that it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. To believe in Jesus is to trust in Jesus. We not only believe that Jesus is the son of God, He's the Son of God that came to earth to, to die for our sins. We also trust that he has eternally secured us from eternity in hell. He did all of this because he loves us, because he cares for us. That is the joy of the Lord. And it is what will keep us from slipping into a, a, a worldly sorrow. It'll, it'll keep us from finding ourselves further and further from God and God's grace. It'll, it'll keep us from stepping out and being the people that God has called us to be. We mess up and then we stay down instead of getting right back up again, knowing that we've got a Savior. We've got one that has secured us for eternity. We've got one that when we mess up, he picks us up, brushes us off, and puts us back on the path that he had us on in the first place. Until we come to realize this, when we mess up, it's going to be hard to get back up again. It's going to be hard to share your faith with someone out there that might need to hear a word from God. It's going to be hard for us to go out on the mission field. It's going to be hard for us to go down the shrimp. It's going to be hard for us to do these things because we have the sorrow of the world upon our shoulders. But I'm here to tell you today that that's not a burden you need to carry. Jesus has lightened the load for us so that we can continue to run this race that has been set before us. So I I want to tell you that if you are feeling remorse today about some sin that you've committed, do not let that remorse become a worldly sorrow because worldly sorrow, it keeps you bound, keeps you bound by sin, and it eventually leads to death. I encourage you today to embrace that godly sorrow 
that sorrow that, 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 that reminds you that, hey, I, I, I can go and repent to God and he, 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 he looks at me as if I've never done it before. See, your salvation, it, it's already been accomplished through Jesus. Have joy in knowing that you are a child of God and Satan and all the heavens, all the, uh, all the devils in, in hell cannot do anything to change that. We ought to be excited. We ought to be jumping up and down. We ought to be you know, waving our banner for Jesus because we've got a God that loves us so much. He loves us when others hate us. He, he, he's there with us when everybody leaves us. He, he's, he's even there with us when, when, when folk who, who, who embrace you decide they're going to turn your back on you because you've messed up. I'm telling you something that I read in a book. I'm telling you what I know from my own life experiences that man will fail you. I don't care how good they tell you they're, they're a friend or, 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 or how much they, 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 they praise what you're doing today and they, 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 they damn you to hell tomorrow. But God's not like that. God loves you despite your faults. When Jesus came, he experienced the same temptations that we had. He experienced the same hurts that we experienced. He knows just how you feel. He knows what it feels like to be lonely. He knows what it feels like to even be hungry. He knows what it feels like to lose a loved one. And he's going to be right there. Oh, he's going to be pleading your case before the Father. He's going to be comforting you. He's going to be keeping you along the way. And as long as you hold on to that, you won't fall into that worldly sorrow that I'm talking about. Yeah, you're going to be sorrowful for those things that you might have done that God's not pleased with. But it doesn't change the fact of who you are. You are the children of God. Let us stand, please. Okay, bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we come to this time of the service, we just want to be responsive to you. We thank you, Lord, that regardless of what we've done, where we've been, that, Lord, you reach out a hand to us and you want to take us and hold us to yourself. You're not ashamed of us. You call us, Lord, your own. And now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, man, I just need to trust Jesus as my Savior. I need to follow him and walk with him. And I want to know the joy of the Lord in my life. And as we sing in just a moment... I want to invite you to walk the aisle here and to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and decide today you will follow him. If you have followed him and the devil has just given you a fit and made you feel like I'm not worth anything and I, you just need to get back to the Lord again and, and say, Lord, I want your joy, Lord, and, and I want to just come back to you, Jesus. We want to invite you to make that decision. And if you're here and you sense that God's saying, this is the church family I want you to be a part of, to serve the Lord here with these folks, we invite you to come and be here with us.
The altar, as always, is open if you just want to come and kneel and pray and talk to the Lord. I'll be here to receive any who would come. Father, thank you for your presence here with us. And thank you that now is the opportunity, Lord, for us to know your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.